0: This is A Housewife at Last. After three years of being a good, serious theater student, method acting and method life began to lose its appeal. It wasn't at all what I'd had in mind creatively speaking, and a change was necessary. I longed to travel, but that was a bit impractical since I had no money. It was also the beginning of the term. I did the next best thing I could think of. I turned to drugs and had my first experience with LSD. I denied its effects vehemently at the time, but had a dramatic impact on, upon my life. A great amount of my fears were suddenly abolished. My ingrained work ethics seemed abs- absolutely absurd. I broke through an amount of conditioning that would have taken me years in the more conventional setting of therapy. Zen Buddhism came to me like a flash of pure light. My parents began to worry about me more than ever. One night, in a spasm of going with the flow... I drove all the way to Little Rock to announce that I loved them. They were horrified. I had one semester of school left and was on full scholarship. I began toying with the idea of really letting go, deserting the contents of my apartment and taking that quantum leap into life itself. What I really wanted to take a leap into was full-time love. There had been no one in my life like Bruce Coughlin for three years, I was ready and willing to give it my all. During spring break, a small group of us soothed our wanderlust with a trip to San Francisco. While there, we attended the Patty Hearst trial. I've never been quite sure why. Perhaps our SLA slash Tanya drama delighted our stupidity. But it was in that courtroom that I spied the handsome, sexy, and well-traveled Steve Stevens. Bells rang once again. Our eyes met over the throngs of spectators. It was only a matter of hours until we were walking up and down Ocean Beach, arm in arm. We spent three days together. They were eternity. Each of us confessed that real love, for which we had always searched, had at last been found. Back in Texas, all I could think of was Steve. His bed, his city, his cafes, his gorgeous California... He'd write me letters calling me magical and wise. He'd been a conscientious objector to the Vietnam War and had taught school in Tiziuzo, Algeria. He had even lived in Europe. I longed to surrender my better senses, and this time there were no parents. There was no nosy Mrs. Coughlin poking around the underwear drawer looking for telltale notes. Besides, no one I knew even wore underwear anymore. Four weeks prior to graduation, I did exactly as I had envisioned. I quit school and left. My parents gave up all hope that I settled down and become normal. They pleaded any concession if I would just finish my degree. Nonsense, I announced. I've got the knowledge. Who needs a silly piece of paper that says I do? Wasn't it ironic that in the mid-70s, I would dive headfirst into the racy and radical 60s? Steve and I rarely worked. We didn't want to contribute to the capitalist system. We just wanted to be supported by it in a minimalist style. We collected unemployment and food stamps. We went to the beach five times a week. We meditated. We discussed reincarnation. We visited eccentrics, of which Steve knew plenty. My head was full of a newness and wonder always longed for, but seldom met. It was my renaissance. I even became a vegetarian. By the end of the summer, we reached our goal of renting a farmhouse on a small acreage in northern California. There, we would grow our own food and wait for the inevitable end of the world. At last, I was a housewife. To my dismay, within a week of being there, Steve decided he no longer wished us to be lovers. He said it was no longer real to him. In a panic, I found myself out on a limb of a tree whose name I didn't even know. I thought of my buddies back in Dallas. They'd be moving to New York soon to become the stars of tomorrow. What a fool I'd been. I had wanted to completely cut off and that is exactly what I'd received. I stared at walls like an idiot. My emotions were an inexperienced roller coaster of uncertainty. The only thing that made any sense was to get a dog, which I soon did. As it turned out, the passion between Steve and me was continued but on his terms. And what a trap that was. I thought I could successfully transcend, but I couldn't, nor could I leave. I thought somehow things would again be as they once had. Like Penelope of ancient lore, I would sit and wait. Six months later, Dame Fate, the one thing I have always been able to count on, mailed us an eviction notice. For lack of better ideas, I struck out on a seven-month hitchhiking trip with my dog and a bald-headed actress from L.A. My divorce from Steve continued to be a source of disillusionment. Every month or so, we'd talk on the phone, each lonely and wondering if we shouldn't give it another try. At the end of my journey, I returned to San Francisco. Two days after my arrival, Steve was offered a job with an American school in London. He would leave for England the following week. Freshly devastated, I rented a room on Haight Street. After the next several years, my addiction to him still seemed impossible to break. We often took holidays together. The contrast of our incompatible dispositions, yet ridiculous desire for a relationship, retarded any and all attempts to be free. Slowly but surely, this housewife became a feminist. The feminist, soon a separatist. And inside that separatist lurked an embryonic gay man who childishly wanted it all. It was time for me to forget my preoccupations with romance and Prince Charming. It was time for me to implement a process of elimination and find out what really was important. One day, I found myself standing in the middle of the gay ghetto, waiting for a bus at 18th and Castro Streets. I was staring at a wall of graffiti on the side of the Old Star Pharmacy, but I only saw one word, community. Why had it taken me so long to realize I wasn't alone?